Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. The podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. We have a very special guest today. I'm so excited to share with you Mike Domish of the Date Safe Project. He is working to build a culture of respect, transforming how we discuss and reduce sexual harassment and sexual assault. Now, a couple weeks ago, we interviewed Amy Lang of Birds and Bees and Kids, and she really talked about um, how to talk to your kids about sex and healthy sexual development. And now we've got Mike with us. Welcome, Mike. Well, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. And Mike is going to share how you actually talk to your teen and your young ones about being safe and dating safe and consent and all of those great things that make parents very uncomfortable. Has, definitely has more than one child. They're their own individuals. <laughs> so sometimes you meet somebody, I'll come into somebody who's, who has a single child. They're like, no, they're exactly the way we thought the one would be. And I thought that's because you haven't had two. That's exactly. so every now and then that happens. They're all themselves. So really what you're trying to do is lay a foundation to help them make the best choices. Mm-hmm. I think one of the mistakes I made early on, I know a lot of parents I talked to say they struggled with this too, is thinking that if we do A plus B, they'll always end up with C with our kids. Yeah. Uh, and that's just not the way it works. We do A plus B to build the foundation of C, but D through Z is them. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's <laughs> all up to them. Uh, and it's and, different for every single one of them, as you said. Yeah, they're, they're all unique. And so, you know, people even say to me, oh, do your boys do this all perfectly? And I, I don't know that. No parent knows exactly what your teen, your preteen your adult child is doing when they're away from you. So what you want to do is give them the best foundation possible. 
That's such an excellent point. And as a parent who has, through hard experience, learned that A plus B doesn't equal C, it's very reassuring also. (laughs) For parents who are listening, you know, you are out there all the time. You are go all around the country. You're talking to kids and teens every day. What's the current dating scene like? You know, what, how is it similar or different to what parents experienced growing up and what parents might think it is? Number one mistake parents make is they'll say, oh, times are so different right now. I can't even imagine what my kids are going through. Well, the problem with that is you're actually setting yourself apart from your child. So you're saying we're so different that the child hears, why am I listening to you? Mm. If you don't know what I'm going through, you have no connection to what I'm going through. Why are you the person I would ever listen to in this world? And it's a valid criticism of the child to the parent. Like all Mm -hmm. you do is separate us with those comments. So what we want to focus on on parents is how much is similar. And 95% of what's going on is similar. We had the same nerves. Now, we might have had them at different ages. Like maybe kids are experimenting a little bit younger, but there were kids experimenting really young when we were kids. You just didn't hear about it so much. Or if you did, they were the anomaly Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the way people talked. It doesn't mean they were the anomaly. Uh, And so that's not new. Uh, And the idea is that we're nervous of when is the right time? Is this okay? Is this the right person? Getting your heart broken. Going too far. And not being comfortable with what just happened. These happen to adults, not just kids. So all of these connection points are similar. Now, what can be unique is that their access to information we didn't have. That's different. Porn is different than it was then. Porn is not new. Uh, One thing that I'll hear parents say is, oh, this generation, they're they're so into porn and perverted. And I sit there and go, are you kidding me? You just didn't have the access they had. And the way I can prove that is when I'm in front of a group of parents, I go, look, if you want to see porn, if you want to see a naked woman specifically, you had to hope somebody's father had one of three magazines. Exactly. (laughs) And whenever I say this, I say to the crowd, yell out the magazines. And they all yell the exact three magazines. And I go, so stop calling your kids perverts when you can name the magazine 30 years later. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) the only difference is they have access you didn't have. Do you really think if you wasn't on video for free on the computer, you wouldn't have looked? The odds are really good you would have looked. I would have gotten in so much trouble if the internet had existed. I mean, hopefully I would have managed to, you know, rein myself in, but it's so much easier to find things and to, and to connect with things now. That's right. Exactly right. And And parents get scared of that also. They do. And so what you want to do as a parent is understand, once again, I don't control my kids. So how am I giving them a foundation for when they see it? What I even used to make the mistake of doing is, so let's put all these things in place so they don't run into it. Okay. That that's positive. But they're going to go to Johnny or Julie's house yeah. yes. and run into it. So, or just at school on their phone, somebody's going to be passing that around. So there's no avoidance anymore. You can't think I can shelter my children mm-hmm. because it's just not possible. So the question is when they see porn, are you giving them a foundation for understanding what they're really looking at? How mm-hmm. this is fantasy versus reality and how that impacts how they view the human body, how they view themselves, how they view a future sexual partner all of those conversations so they can see it and make the censorship themselves of of content and understanding of what they're looking at. 
Okay, so when do those conversations start? I get this question from many parents. I think teaching the human body starts at the youngest of ages and that it's natural and it's okay and everybody's body is different and unique. And what you're going to see growing up is not reality. In other Mm. words, what you're going to see on TV, what you're going to see on the internet, that's going to be the people you'll see there might represent a small percentage of what the, if we had all people in the room, mm-hmm. a small, small percentage. So what, is, what things you want to avoid is comparing your body to others because your body's so unique. You don't want to compare it to the ones that all look like they're the same on TV. And so having those conversations at the youngest ages and then becoming age appropriate with where you talk about pornography and the possibility you could run into this. If your child has access to a computer, if your child has access to a phone, you better be having conversations about what they could run into on those devices mm-hmm. yeah. and why those, why those viewing choices could be unhealthy, could be harmful. And so they can separate that out when they start to run into it. That's a conversation that parents, I think, are innately uncomfortable with. First of all, because it requires us to acknowledge the existence of porn and the fact that we know porn exists with our children, which is a barrier some parents just don't want to cross. Yeah, we always say to parents, the one thing you're most scared of talking about is probably the one you most need to talk about. Right. There's a reason you're scared to have the conversation because you're scared they know they already know. Uh, or yeah. you're scared that you're going to intrigue them. Now, yeah. that's the fear that is, has, no, has no foundation to it at all because okay. they're human beings. And so they're going to naturally have intrigue, curious feelings, thoughts. Even if someone would someone go, what if they're asexual? They still might be curious what this is all about. It doesn't mean they have an attraction to it or that they have an urge to it, but they still might be curious. And like, so what's all the fuss about? Right. What's all yeah. this everybody's talking about? So being able to be their resource instead of a friend is, is priceless. Mm-hmm. Because their friends are going to give them twisted versions of all this. So if you're already having a conversation with your kid and then their friends are talking about it, well, wow, this isn't new and exciting. My mom or dad told me about this. And while I hate it talking to them about it, all these other people don't seem to know what they're talking about when they bring it up. So it creates you as the resource. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's not, oh, my friends are the resource. And I remember talking to parents about when they teach condom use, for instance, Mm -hmm. whatever age they think that's appropriate, right? Every home's going to have a different concept of when that's appropriate. But I'll say to them, have, you know, do you, and I'm not, a, I want to be very careful. When I'm traveling the world, I'm not teaching sex education specifically. I'm brought in for respect, boundaries, consent, sexual assault, safety. But when we do talk about how you talk about this stuff, for instance, if you're going to talk about something like condom use, uh, do you blow the condom up? And do you tie it up and do you punch it in the air with your kid? And people are like, what? Why would I do that? Because they're going to do it in the locker room. Blow <laughs> <laughs> condom out in that locker room, yeah. blow it up and punch it in the air. If you've done this with your kid before the locker room, when they're in the locker room, it's going to be like, not that, not that exciting. Like they'll play along because everybody else is, but they're gonna be like, oh my God, my mom or my dad made me do that. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I've done this with my mom. It takes away the curiosity of misguided information from peers who really don't know what they think they know right now. So what are you hearing as you travel the world? What are, what are kids asking you about? What are their concerns? Kids want the skill set to empower them to make the right choices. So one mistake that parents make all the time is do the right thing. And generations before ours, that's what they were taught. That's what their parents taught them. Nobody sat down kids and gave skill sets. Mm -hmm. At most, you might have got a book, you know, or here's a video. 
but it wasn't a one-on-one conversation with, with, and so they lack skills, right? So you're at a party, you see alcohol, do the right thing and leave, but there's no skill there. How do I leave? What do I say to my friends that I don't look like a dork, right? Those are the realities that hit somebody when they say, I'm supposed yeah. to leave now. What do I, how do I just leave? And they freeze and they don't leave because they don't have a skill set. So how do I give you the skill sets to do that? So my partner's pressuring me to be sexually active, but I don't think I'm ready. I know I shouldn't, but I have no skill set to say no, and I don't want to make them feel bad. So I say yes. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we could give them a skill set that empowers them to feel safe saying no or yes without guilt, right? If you're ready and you're age appropriate, yes or no without guilt. If you're not age appropriate and or ready, then how to say no without guilt. These are really important conversations and specific language to give, right? That I'm not ready. And then here's all the things your partner might say, but I love you and I'll help you. I'll help as it goes along, I'll make it comfortable. Well, I'm not comfortable now. And so I know I don't want to be doing this. So I'm comfortable and excited before it happens because I don't want to be tense. I don't want to be scared. I want to be excited when we do this. So I would expect you would honor that because you do care about me and you do respect me. You'll honor those choices and not push them, right? That's very specific language yes. that somebody can learn and use in a real relationship. And that's the part where I think, at least here in America, we have been really, really weak on. I mean, for the most part, the sex ed programs, the health programs we have, we don't even talk about the relationship part. But like you said, those are the skills kids really need. And that whole navigating of relationships, that part, it's similar to what we've, we all struggled with as teenagers. And frankly, a lot of us are still struggling with today, right? How do That's we right. have these um, honest conversations? How many parents out there listening or single or married parents committed relationships have talked to their partner recently about what they're comfortable with sexually? And then they expect that their teen's going to be able to do this. And, and they're 30, 40, 50, and they struggle with these conversations. So one of the things that we want to do as parents is make sure that we're living the sexual healthy life that we can talk about, right? Because if we're living that life, it's easier to talk about it. Now, let me put a big pause here. I am not implying, oh, so if I go do that in the bedroom, I can talk to my kid about what I experienced in the bedroom. No. <laughs> a lot of parents love to do that. They think that's how I'll connect. I'll tell my kid when I was 16 about the sex I had and how bad it was so they won't have sex at 16. Here's what people found though. The kid hears you had sex at 16 and everything turned out okay. Yeah. So as bad as you want to say it was, things turned out okay. So why wouldn't I take the same risk? Because things turned out okay. And parents would be like, well, no, my life took a whole different direction. Yeah, well, we're here now. I'm okay. You're okay. Life turned out okay. They look for validation to make the same mistakes because they're curious. It's not that they want to, they're not trying to make mistakes, but they're curious. And they're looking for a green light to say, let me explore the same way you explored. So when you get overly personal and tell me how you explored, now I'm more likely to explore like you because you made it about your sexual journey at 16. That's not my sexual journey, but now mine is yours because you made it about yours. So I'm a big fan of helping your kids realize it doesn't matter what I did at 16. It matters what you're going to choose to do at 16. You're going to live your life. You're not going to live mine. So I'm not going to tell you about what I did or didn't do because that implies I was right or wrong and you should live according to that. I want you to live according to your values, what you believe in your skill sets. We have so many things we could talk about there, but I have a couple other things I want to make sure we have time for too. Uh, You know, we're on boys, so we're specifically focused on boys and 
I have one 20 year old, I have two teenage boys and a preteen in the house right now. And I have a lot of sympathy for them. I mean, boys right now really seem kind of caught in between. Like a lot of them grew up really surrounded by this messaging, you know, be a man and, and what a man is and stoic and interested in sex all the time and, and, and not gay. And I'm not agreeing that those are the right things, but these are the, the pressures that still surround so many boys. And at the same time, you know, our culture is shifting and we're becoming more, um, more open and we're talking more about consent and we're talking more about acceptance. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. And so I see these teenagers trying to navigate keeping their social standing and not standing out. And yet, how do I behave respectfully? What do you see when you talk to teen boys? Well, one thing that we we see is a couple of things. There, there is a fear that, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble now. And that the mistake is for society to say, the women's movement or Me Too is causing boys to be uncomfortable. And one of the things we need to talk to young men about and men of all ages is, if you're uncomfortable or you're fearful, that's because of the actions of past men, unfortunately. That, that is in no way because of women. That is in no way because of a movement. You should know what caused this to take place in the first place that is now we're having these conversations that are causing people to be uncomfortable of a gender that had a lot of power for a mm-hmm. long time. And now that power is being questioned and how it was abused and used to mistreat others. Mm-hmm. And so we have to talk about that history is what's caused this. The good news is you don't have to be the person who lived according to that history. You can be your own self. You do not have to identify because I'm a man. You don't have to identify that way. You can identify because I'm a human being, because I'm a person. And because I'm a person, I care about others. I treat others with respect and dignity. I have sexual urges because I'm a person, not because I'm a man, because Mm -hmm. I'm alive and and a high, high percentage of us have those. The far majority of us, you know, we said earlier there's asexual. 
But everybody else, that would be a normal urge that would be healthy because I'm a human. So I think one of the things we want to do is stop focusing with boys and girls mm-hmm. on this idea of your gender identification and what that means instead of what it means to be a human being. And let that be the focus of being that person that you want to be. I think that's uh, something that we can be working on all the way through, right? Yes. Emphasizing that there are these human things. And this it's not because you're a boy. It's not because you're a girl. It is because you are a human. You are an individual. And here is how, as a human, you treat people with respect and you ask to be treated with respect. And That's you respond right. if somebody's not treating you with respect. Yeah. And I'm sure that you hear, uh, as far as that goes, Jennifer, I'm sure you hear with four boys. Oh, you're so lucky. You have four boys. Right. I also get I also get the pity. Oh my gosh, how do you right. do but you it? get a different kind of pity than, yeah. than parents of daughters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You get this, it's easy because you don't have to worry about the sexual world out there that that girls do, but you get the you get the pity of oh four boys. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of that over the years of four boys can be so much energy and so much masculinity yeah. and all of this. But you don't have the fear of the parent who goes, Oh my daughter, I'm afraid every time she goes out the door. They act like somehow parents of boys have nothing to fear in the dating and sexual world, which is so weird. First of all, if you're implying that boys do the harm, and that's why if you have daughters, you have so much to be scared of, then if you're the parent of the boy, you have the worst fear of all that your child could be causing the harm onto other human beings if you fall into those stereotypes. You know, it's funny you say that because I have felt internally almost a little offended when people make comments like that because what you're really saying is that you think guys, by definition, my guys then too, are like the bad guys in this scenario. Right. And like, you don't even know them yet. Like, let's not assume that if my son wants to go out with your daughter, that you need to be on guard. Yes. Mm-hmm. And well, we talk to parents about this all the time. And there was recent, there's a politician recently when we we're filming this in a state uh, that did a commercial with a boy, the boyfriend sitting next to him and he has the gun pointed at him. I saw that. Yes. And mm-hmm. we tell parents all the time, even the mindset that I'm going to scare the partner yeah. is so messed up. And all that does is make the partner think you're an idiot parent. I don't care what I do to your kid if I am a jerk because you're a jerk to me. It makes it easier for them to do harm to your child instead of creating relationships and respect. And so this is really important for parents of any gender not to fall into the stereotype. You have four sons. You know that when people go, oh, girls are are so much more difficult. What they're referring to is the stereotype of girls are emotional and boys are not as emotional. If you have four boys, you will quickly find out that is not (laughs) true at all. Amen, brother. And so to think that I don't have an emotional son out of four sons is ridiculous. Uh, And that these are the kind of stereotypes that cause harm versus I have four young human beings. Yeah. You know, and so how am I going to raise four young human beings? It it should be the exact same conversation. The gender shouldn't separate it. Uh, And so if there's four daughters or four boys, I should be teaching them all the skill sets that are true for human beings. In other words, I'm going to teach you how it's okay to ask for what you want. That should be true for all genders. I'm going to teach you it's okay to say no. That should be true for all genders. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what my gender is, I should feel okay saying no, that I don't have to do this because my gender says I have to be sexually active. 
Let's talk about that part because I um, was really impressed with the video you made a few months ago. American Idol reboot going on right now. It was the live auditions, or not the live auditions, the auditions. And Katy Perry kissed a male contestant who had made a point of saying, you know, he hadn't been kissed before. He specifically said he was waiting. Talk a little bit about that video and we'll include a link in the show notes, everybody, so you can see what we're talking about. But that res- the social response to it was very interesting also. And I think something worth talking about with our sons. Yes, because you had this young man come out. And of course, for those listening, Katy Perry's famous for the song, I Kissed a Girl. So they come out, they ask him if he's been kissed. Now it clearly looks like a setup. As soon as he says he hasn't been, she calls him over and you can see where this is going. And he even is a little taken back. And he says on the cheek, only on the cheek. Right. And so they do kiss on the cheek, but she says that didn't even make the kissing sound. Come on. You you have to really have a kiss. And when they go back in, she turns kisses on the lips. He falls back. Like literally, I'm not, can't exaggerate. He literally falls backwards because he's taken aback by it. She jumps up and does a celebration with her arms, like pumps her arms up in the air. And so do Luke Bryan and Correct. The other judges are like, right. They're like, yes. Right. There's this conquering that they're celebrating. Like you got him right? You just got them. Uh, And they're all celebrating this. Now, most of the country agrees that if that had been a gender role switch there, that there would have been, everybody would have been appalled, that that would not have been okay. People have been outcried. But you had a mix in the country of reaction of, come on, people, get over. It was no big deal. She was having fun. Two people going, if that, no way, that's wrong all the time. What happened there was wrong. So you had a split. Now, that's a positive because five, 10 years ago, it would have been 90-10. It would have been 90 supporting her actions maybe 10%, maybe talking about why that's not okay. Uh, and so what we talked about is that kind of behavior of to take a kiss from somebody, then that's what you're doing there. You didn't have a mutually wanted kiss. You stole one. You, you, that's a great example of calling stealing a kiss. Is not okay. And then to celebrate it even shows that you knew what you were doing. Do you think it can be a useful teaching tool, you know, cultural incidences like that to share them with yeah, our I'm children. I'm a huge fan of that. That's why we made the video. I, I tell parents, you want a great way to teach your kids, just watch TV. Yep. Watch what your kids are watching, watch the movies they're watching. them, And that doesn't mean to make their movies and their favorite shows the enemy or their music the enemy because they're just going to stop listening to you. Mm-hmm. What you want to be able to do is engage in, oh, did you catch that one part? Just that one part. Did you catch that one part? I know it's a great show. But when they did that, uh, did you fully understand what that meant? And if they're like, oh, yeah, I got it, because that's what they tend to do. Oh, I got, I got it. Oh, great. Could you explain that to me? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's okay if you didn't. Let me exp- I'll be happy to explain it. And it gives you the groundwork to explain it. Uh, and okay. so there was a movie out a few years ago with Steve Carell where he plays an idiot. And I'm forgetting the name of the movie. And he's, they're having this like party where they all come together and it's all these people have found these idiots. It's a horrible concept. I mean, it's cruel, right? And they bring them together to this dinner to celebrate. And though they find out the one, two guys there, the one guy's cheated with the other guy's wife. And they're like, well, what happened? And he said, well, I, I, he pretty much says, I lost her G spot. And like, what do you mean you lost it? He didn't know what it was. <laughs> so when she said, you can't find my G spot, He's like, I lost the G-spot. So we're driving home. My kids had saw this. And I'm like, this is years ago. Years ago when they were much younger. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, we understood that. And I'm like, really? Uh, So what what was that about? 
Uh, and Say I'm like, more. Tell you what it was a what that is, uh, and because your friends sooner or later are going to bring it up, and I want you to know what Absolutely. it actually is versus a myth of what you might hear it is, and so you you just make it very factual. Here's what it is. Da 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 da. Does that make sense? And you just it's not a lecture. It's not this deep, in depth, twenty minute, one hour talk. It's just are you aware? Mm-hmm. And so you make it not judgmental and safe to discuss. I'm a big fan of asking. Hey, did you see? What do you think about that? Um, and I've done that multiple times. I mean, I did that when some of these, um, the story of, you know, Harvey Weinstein and sexual harassment hit and some of these other stories, you know, hey, I, I know these kids, they're getting news on their phone same way I am. Same thing with this American Idol one. You know, what do you think about that? And then I make it a point to listen before I talk because I need to know where their head is and where they're coming from first before I start spouting off. Well, here's what I think. And by definition, what you should think, you know, that's not in in my mind, that's not the most productive way to handle it. And they have knowledge that we don't have. Now now I'm fortunate because I work in that field. I'm around that language all the time, but a lot of parents aren't. So when Mm -hmm. I'll say language, uh, some of my friends when we're hanging out at dinner or whatever, and I'll refer to the current language. They're like, what, what did you just say? And I'm like, well, it's it's just what high schoolers say. And they're like, what? (laughs) Like smash. That's the term now. So kids don't say we had sex. They said we smashed. Okay. That's Uh, good to know. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) That's been out now for a few years, but it's, that's really the language now. We're behind the times. I'm aware of that. You know, we were, we were, something's minor. I'll give you one. uh, Referring to men. We heard the term shower or grower. And we were at dinner and most of the couples are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, that's just a normal term for whether a guy's a shower or a grower. They're like, what are you talking about? And so I had to explain, well, with the guy's naked, does, he, does most of his size show naturally he's a shower? Or does he really small and really grows, which is this biological fact. There's a difference in, and so it's a shower or a grower. People are like, oh my gosh, I've never heard <laughs> But then it was funny. Then you could see the people in the room going, so uh, am I a show or a grow? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, which is, which is sincere and is exactly what teenagers are thinking That's about. That's a themselves. useful term. <laughs> Very human reaction there, Mike. Mike, um, you have so much to offer. And I know that you travel around and you talk to schools and you talk to parents. So if people want to get in touch with you and want to learn more, think about bringing you to their school, how can they do that? Well, they can go to our website, datesafeproject.org. So you, you want to go on a date, you want to feel safe, and you don't want to feel like it's a project. Datesafeproject.org. <laughs> uh, and they can call us at 800-329-9390. And that'll be on the website. And, and it's really important for people to understand. If I'm speaking to middle school students or I'm speaking, I'm not going in there talking about G-spots and showing and growing. Uh, <laughs> those are really, so I can see the parents going. We're, we're talking about consent, asking, respecting boundaries, how to intervene at parties when people are using alcohol or drugs to get sexual activity, which in middle schools and high schools is the number one way sexual activity occurs. Most kids agree that's where it begins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having those conversations so that they can have the skill sets and really the foundation to make the best choices possible. What would be the one takeaway that you would, uh, I mean, we've talked about so much around parents and parenting in a different way, parenting for humanity, I would call it, not for boys and for girls separately. What's one takeaway that that our listeners can just kind of ponder the rest of the day after I'm they go listen with to one this. we haven't discussed 
Great. Is role modeling asking first. So when, when I talk to parents, do you hope your child always has a choice before somebody does something with their body sexually or intimately? Almost every parent says, of course I do. Great. Have you taught them how to ask first? No. Well, then what are the odds they're ever going to know how to ask or to be asked if they've never had it taught to them? And then I go, but here's the, the other side of that. Are you role modeling? Like, what do you mean? Well, you just said you want your children to always have a choice before you kiss your partner in front of your children. Do you say, may I have a kiss? No, we're married. But that implies that because you love someone, you don't need to give them a choice anymore. I don't mm -hmm. think that's what you want to send as a message. And parents are like, no, I don't. So what does it take us half a second to say, can I give you a kiss? And the children learn that you ask. And if the partner says, no, I'm not in the mood, okay. I don't say, oh, it's been an hour, it's been a day, it's been two weeks. Mm -hmm. Nope, I go, okay. And I teach them that. I go to my children before I give them a hug, may I give you a hug? If they say no, I don't make them feel guilty. I honor that choice. And then I show this as an example of what they deserve in their relationships when we talk. But role model, starts with a role model. May I give you a hug? Can I have a kiss? Don't tell me to go kiss grandma. Go say, would you, be, would you like to give grandma a hug or kiss goodbye? Yeah. Right? And so that it's my choice because this is my body. And even though that's not sexual with grandma or you, it's still my boundaries and intimate, loving intimacy of some kind. I'm going to be thinking about that all day. How about you, Janet? Absolutely. Yes. And role modeling. Yep. Right on, Mike. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. Well, well thank you, Janet, Jennifer, for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> See how in tune we were, Janet? We said thank you so much in unison across thousands of miles. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> thank you for the work that you are doing yes. in the world. So, so important. Well, thank you both for the work you're doing with putting this show on and the work you do individually. It's, it's incredibly important and impactful. <laughs> Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. You can find our show notes at onboyspodcast.com. That's on-boys-podcast.com. Our show notes include links to all of the resources we mentioned in today's episode. Until next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.